You are listening to the Highland Ministry Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Highland Baptist Church, please visit our website at hbcmolino.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Josh Hilton. Y'all pray with me this morning before we uh, turn to the text. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for the hope of Christmas. Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have in your Son that is found in no other name but the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we turn our attention to the texts that talk about that hope this morning, Lord, help, help me to be your mouthpiece. Help us all to hear from you today and to respond with whatever it is you're calling us to. But Lord, we thank you. We thank you even now for that hope that you sent our way. The hope of a future. The hope of a Savior. Lord, help us to live free with that hope even now. And God, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it all. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, uh, the, the title of today's message is going to be The Hope of Christmas. And our first text that we'll find will be in Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to go back to some of the prophecy uh, that was prophesied about that hope. But before we get into that, as we're moving into the Christmas season, there's just, there's certain things that Christmas brings about. There's certain uh, promises, there's things that we think about with the birth of a Savior, and, and it's it's one of those opportunities, we, we could walk through a lot of different texts, because uh, in all reality, Jesus is present throughout all of Scripture, so we're going to spend some time in the Old and New Testament today, but there's just some gifts that we were given on that first Christmas morning, some things that Israel had longed for that we're going to look at today, uh, and some things that, that we get to celebrate as we walk into uh, Christmas each week as, as we go through uh, this season. And well, the first thing that we're going to talk about uh, is we're going to talk about hope. Uh, and I began thinking about hope and, and Christmas and, and what that means to me, uh, what, what I think of. Uh, and I asked the kids last night on the way home, uh, we were driving and, and asked them, I said, what, what is hope uh, to you? And, and uh, you get varying answers, you get different things. But for me, when I, when I think of hope and Christmas, uh, I go back to being honest with you, uh, my selfishness as a child. And, and I, I remember looking under the Christmas tree and, and the presents that had my name on it. And I, I, I remember shaking boxes and uh, my dad was... My dad likes to play uh, pranks and stuff, and so he would always tell me, don't shake it too hard. You might break it. If you shake it, uh, you, you might, and he'd, he'd like to tease, and it comes from his grandfather that did the same thing to, to him when he was growing up, uh, but, but he liked to, to, to tease you with, oh, I bet you can't guess what that is. And, and if you didn't even want to shake the present, he'd bring it over to you, shake it just, just a little bit. You get that excitement of, of what, what it could be. And so when I think of the hope of Christmas, I go back to, to being a kid and thinking about hope of what it was that I was going to receive that year. I, I would write out a list and hand it to my parents and I would just, I would hope that the, the things that I wrote down were the things that I would receive. And, and honestly, I thought about... Uh, 
our kids and, and how they do the same thing, how they will fill out a list and... <laughs> Some of those lists are a doozy. Uh, sometimes I'm like, I don't think you know how much I make. Um, but you, you look at those lists and, and there's hope written in those strokes of the pen or the pencil. There's hope that is found in that simple piece of paper. My kids are really good at like, oh, I forgot to add that one to the list. And so it just kind of grows throughout the season uh, there. But, but there is hope that we have. And, and, and I thought back, and, and we, we've got a, a beautiful decoration here of, of a simple nativity set. And I, and I think back on Mary and Joseph as they looked at this baby. And, and for any of you that have kids, you know that a baby changes everything. I mean, it, it's just, it, that's just the way it happens. First-time parents, there was no room for them in the inn. They're outside. I don't know what the elements were. It may have been cold. They may have had Florida Christmases. I don't really know what it was like. Um, but they're there with this newborn. And I wonder if they realized the hope that was really brought to the world. I wonder if the shepherds understood as they stood in front of this promised Savior, if they really understood the hope that came that first Christmas. I wonder if you today really understand the hope that we get to celebrate as we celebrate the Christmas season. So today, I want us to walk through what the hope of Christmas truly is. But before we get into that, you know me, I'm going to ask a question, what is hope? Well, I looked up the definition because I didn't want to give you my interpretation of it, uh, although I've already given you my selfish interpretation of the hope at Christmas. Hope is simply a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. A feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. That's what hope is. Expectation, desire, a longing for something to come true. That is something that the nation of Israel had. It was promised. It was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. And so I want us to turn uh, there as we look at what hope truly is. This longing for something to happen. This, uh, this ability to be able to go on because of a promise. Hope could be spelled down all the way to just a belief that something better is coming. Sometime in between Isaiah and when Christ actually came, there was a point in time where there were 400 years of silence. We know that as the, the pages in between the Old and the New Testament. And you can argue about which book comes first on the dates of writings and which ones come last in the Old Testament. But there's a time period there where God is silent. He makes them wait. He makes people long that much more for this hope that they knew was prophesied by the prophet of Isaiah. 400 years of silence. I can't imagine living through that period. There were people who were born and died in that span of time that never did hear anything from God. 
There was no new revelations. There was nothing new that was to come. They were just holding on to the hope that God had already sent to them. This prophecy of Jesus, the telling of his birth would bring hope to a people that so desperately needed it. It's a hope that we need today. A hope that our world needs today. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 9 as we look at the the prophecy of hope that we find. Isaiah 9, we're going to start in verse 2 and it says this. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. We're going to read all the way through this part of the text, and then we'll come back and and talk about it in a moment. Verse 3 says, You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult, And cloak rolled in blood will be for burning, fuel for the fire. Verse 6 says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And verse 7 says, There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So if you look at Isaiah here, he is prophesying about the birth of Jesus. All they knew is that there was a prophecy about a Messiah. There was a hope that was to come. There was this, this prophecy was, was bringing about hope. And, and what you find there at the end of verse 7, it says that the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. God said, this is going to come. It is going to happen. It is going to be present. There's no doubt about it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's not this has to happen, and then this will come true. Or if this doesn't happen, then it's not going to happen. God said, this is going to happen. And so the nation of Israel, through this prophecy, was given hope. They were given hope of a better future. I want us to kind of walk through uh, some of uh, the, the prophecy part of it that was here. And what we've got to understand is, is they were going through oppression. What we know is if you, if you study into this text that, that the Assyrians would eventually invade, invade the, the northern kingdom and they would humble and oppress Israel. But there was a hope that Isaiah shares here a hope that he originally prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 that simply says therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign behold a virgin will be with child and bear a son and she will call his name Emmanuel if you think back to Emmanuel that means God with us so that the original prophecy of the fact of the virgin birth of a, of, a, of a child, of a son who is going to be called God with us. And then Isaiah goes into more detail here in chapter 9. And this, this is a prophecy in verse 2 uh, of a light for those in darkness. Because verse 2 says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. The darkness would not be able to contain the light of Jesus. 
there was going to be a light that was going to come from this Christ child, uh, this hope that Israel would have. And so there was, in, in the darkest times as a nation, Jesus would come to them. After 400 years of silence, Jesus would show up in a manger through a miraculous virgin birth, and hope would be born, and his name would be Jesus. And verse 3 says the prophecy is one uh, of joy like that of a great harvest. So not only is he going to bring light, he's going to bring joy. Because verse 3 there in Isaiah 9 says, You shall multiply the nation, you shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. As I looked at this, and we, we know that Scripture uses a lot of farming references. Jesus did that as we walked through the Sermon on the Mount. But what we find here is that the birth of Jesus is going to bring about a joy, a joy that is likened to an abundant harvest as, as men sat around and, and divide out the things that came from this harvest because there was plenty. There was enough to go around. There was enough to be shared. And so uh, Jesus is going to provide great joy to the nation as well. And then verse 4, he would provide freedom from oppression. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the, the rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian. He provided freedom. He provided freedom from the oppression that, that, that they were dealing with. And the thing about it is, is if you read about the nations that he's talking about and the nation of Israel, Israel was almost always the weaker nation. They never walked into a battle as the stronger nation. They had a lot of people, but they weren't trained in the art of war like some of these other nations were. They were just God's people, and God went and fought those battles before them all throughout the Old Testament. Well, this, promise, this prophecy gives them a promise of freedom from that oppression that they were feeling despite being a weaker people. God would bring them freedom He'd bring freedom to his people through the birth of his son. Now that's going to cause some confusion in the, the mind of the disciples because they, they would understand the words of Isaiah. The people that followed Jesus in his ministry would understand his words and they knew that he was supposed to come and free them. And so there was confusion about how that was going to happen. They thought that, hey, as he grows up into a man, then he's just going to be kind of this militant leader and take, take over the Roman government and kind of cast all that aside. Well, what the truth of it is, is he came to be a servant, and he served, and he loved, and he showed his people how to do the same. The hope of that freedom is yet to come. That freedom's going to come when, he, when, when God says, okay, son, it's time to go get my people. And he mounts on that horse, and then uh, the trumpet will sound, and the sky will split, and him and the saints will ride with him to free all of his people from the oppression of sin and the world that we're captured in right now. That freedom from oppression was a freedom from sin, not just from the burden of government, like so many thought that it was. 
But that was part of the prophecy as well. There's a prophecy of victory that you find in, in verse 5. And as you read through verse 5, and it talks about the boot of the booted warrior and the cloak that, that's, that's rolled in blood, and it's going to be for burning fuel for the fire. And, and I, w- I started digging into that, and I was like, okay, what, is, what exactly does that mean? Well, the picture that is painted here by the prophet Isaiah is actually a picture of a battle that is already fought, a battle that has already run. The boots can be taken off of the warrior because they're done. The, the cloak is already bloody because of the fight that they've been in, and now they can burn those because they don't need them anymore. The victory was coming. Gary Smith explained it this way. The burning of the boots and the bloody clothes of enemy soldiers signify a victory in holy war where spools were dedicated to God and military equipment was set on fire. With this victory that is prophesied in verse 5 comes the promise of Jesus and a spiritual victory that he would bring. Because when Jesus would come and then when Jesus would live his life and when he died on the cross, victory was his. No matter how long he waits to come back, victory will be his. He will never be defeated. He will never be uh, uh, overtaken or overruled by anybody else. He will reign supreme. Victory will be his. In verses 6 and 7, probably verse 6 is probably the most familiar verse in this chapter. But there's a promise of a Savior's birth. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. So in the midst of Isaiah's prophecy about this son that was to come, he went ahead and told us four characteristics that you find about Jesus. And he did that in the basis of names that he would be called The first name that he would be called is Wonderful Counselor. So not only is this baby going to come and provide all these other things in the prophecy, this, this, this Christ child would come and he would be the Wonderful Counselor. So he's going to bring wisdom with him. He's also called Mighty God. So there's going to be strength and power that comes with him. Then he's also called the Eternal Father. And so he is a provider and a protector for all time. There is no end to that. It's not just for a span of your life or a season of your life. No, he will be your provider and your protector for all time. And then he is the Prince of Peace. This was a peace that would bring a wholeness to all the people, a peace that would unite not just the nation of Israel, but all who follow him. Those were attributes that come just out of that prophecy of Isaiah here in Isaiah chapter 9. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. That's who Jesus was going to be to the nation of Israel. That is who Jesus is to us. This prophecy of hope uh, that that was going to come with Jesus that Isaiah was talking about was was a future hope for them to look to, but it is a past hope that that we can hold on to, that we have an assurance of. It's a past hope because we get to see the story after his birth. We get to celebrate the Christmas season after the birth of Jesus. We know what Jesus has brought and what he has done. We've seen that prophecy fulfilled for the most part. 
So there was a prophecy of hope that came in the Old Testament. Something that the people longed for. And today, what we get, because we're on the back end of Jesus' birth, is we get an assurance of that hope. We get an assurance of hope. And uh, if you will, turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I told you we was going to spend a little bit of time in, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Romans chapter 5 kind of gives us a picture of hope as well. And, and the thing about it is, and you saw it in that video, uh, and I, I want to thank Brad for, for uh, running that video by us because there's so many different things in that little just the opening video before the sermon this morning. That, uh, it talked about hope that is, that is not optimistic. It's not something that, that we're just looking and going, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm wishing this will be true. It's not something that we, we have to look and go, I'm not real sure if that prophecy has happened yet. I'm not real sure if these things are going to come. No, those things have already happened. And so since all of those things have happened, we get to live with a hope uh, that has assurance attached to it, not just optimism. There is an, an assurance of our future. The, the hope that Isaiah prophesied was a future hope, but the hope that we have today is a present hope and also a future hope for us for our eternity. But the hope that he prophesied about is a present hope because that Jesus has come. He has defeated sin. He has uh, risen from the grave. He's defeated death. So the hope that we have is not just a optimism that we hold on to. It is a truth that we can look back on. And because of that, there comes assurance of who Jesus is and what he is going to provide for us because of what he has already done. Romans chapter 5, I want to read verses 3 through 5 that talk a, a little bit about hope there. And it says, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character, hope. There's a stage of things that happen in life that create hope for us. There, there's a stage of progression for us to walk through. Sometimes those hard times in life, that tribulation that we face, and once we face that, there's, there's a perseverance that has to happen. Uh, we, we talked this morning about the story of Joseph in Sunday school, and, and you, you look at his story, and for uh, 13 years he was in captivity. Uh, some of that in prison, some of that in Potiphar's house, uh, some of that is just a slave as he was traded from place to place. But for 13 years... He went from being a teenage boy sold by his brothers to a slave in prison. But this was the same Joseph that had a dream, a couple of dreams actually, that he told his family to. And his brothers didn't like it, so they sold him into slavery. And lied to their dad about the fact that he was dead. But that Joseph there, he is the one who sat through all of those things. He had to run away from Potiphar's wife uh, as she tried to come on to him. And that got him thrown into prison the first time. He met some guys and interpreted dreams for them. And one of them got restored. One of them lost his life. Exactly what Joseph told them was going to happen based off of their dreams. And, and then he sat there for a couple more years in prison. 
just waiting on God. Waiting on God to fulfill the promises that he had given him. We talked this morning about the birth of his sons and the pain that was there because six years into the good harvest, he has two boys, Manasseh and Ephraim. And you look at the meaning of their names, it shows that there was pain in those trials that he walked through. There was pain in the tribulation that Joseph faced. But guess what Joseph did? Joseph persevered all the way until God's promises became true. The thing is, some of y'all have walked through that tribulation. Some of y'all are in the midst of it now. And I'm just going to encourage you this morning. If you're in the midst of tribulation, what, hap- what needs to happen is you got to keep pushing on. Keep persevering. God hears you. He sees you. He loves you. He has not forgotten you. So whatever it is you're sitting in this morning, you may be saying, Josh, you're trying to tell me about the hope of Christmas. And right now my world is so swirling around. It's so broken and hurting. Everything that's happening right now, I see zero hope for anything. I can't even get into the Christmas season because there is no hope right now for what I'm walking through. God wants you to hear this. He still loves you. He is still here. He is still with you. Keep pushing forward. Keep persevering. Because His promises are going to come. They're going to happen. I can't tell you that they're going to happen by Christmas. Oh, I wish I could. I wish I could tell you that the hope that Christmas is going to bring this year is for that trial to be over that that has tormented your life. But I can't give you that promise. But I can give you the promise that He is still with you. And he's asking you to lean into him and persevere because tribulation brings about perseverance and then perseverance brings about proven character. That's what we saw in Joseph was that proven character of his life as he persevered. And God's asking you to do the same thing as you walk through trials. Keep trusting me because something good is going to come. Good things are coming if you'll just trust me. So we walk through that tribulation, it produces perseverance, and perseverance produces proven character, and that proven character produces hope. If you'll stay true, if you'll walk through those things, guess what? You're going to find hope at the end of that because you're going to see God work through that process. You're going to find hope through it all. And it's not just going to be for the Christmas season. It's going to be for all the promises of God that he has given to you. You'll find a hope, and look at what verse 5 says. And hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. That's what we need today, church. We need a hope that doesn't disappoint, because guess what? I'm going to disappoint you because I'm human. Al just started today, but I'm going to go and tell you Al's going to disappoint you too. Sorry, Al. He's going to. You know why? Because he's human. Brad's been here 15 years. Brad's going to disappoint you too because he's human. Angela's been here a long time but also serving for a few years now. She's going to disappoint you. It's just going to happen because we're human. The deacons are going to disappoint you. Your family's going to disappoint you. Your Sunday school class is going to disappoint you. There will be things that will disappoint you in life because you can't put your faith in man. You got to put your faith in God. 
And God says, as, as you walk through all of these things, as you walk through these different trials and everything, it's going to produce something in you, and it's going to produce a hope that does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. He said, I can promise you a hope that doesn't disappoint because I can give you part of me, which is the Holy Spirit. Who will walk with you through every trial and tribulation you face. Through every up and down. Through the hardness of holidays. Through the excitement of a new year. He said, I can promise you a hope that doesn't disappoint because of who I am. Not because of me, not because of you, but because of who God is. He can promise us a hope that will not disappoint us. That is the hope of Christmas. It's a hope that doesn't disappoint it was a hope of a prophecy in the book of Isaiah. It was the hope of, of a life that was going to be lived for 33 some odd years uh, around that number before he died. And then when he died on the cross and, and he rose from the grave, 2,000 years later, we're still holding on to that hope that is only possible because of Christmas. And I'm not talking about the Americanized Christmas I'm not talking about the trees and the presents and, and the lights on the houses. I'm not talking about the, the family gatherings. I'm not talking about that. I'm taking us all the way back to the reason that we celebrate this season. I'm taking us all the way back to a baby in a manger. I'm taking us all the way back to a teenage mom that was probably scared to death. But she knew she was favored by God. I'm taking her back to, to a... a soon-to-be husband that was going to put her away because she was now pregnant and it wasn't his. But the angel of the Lord said, no, that's mine, and I need you to raise him. And so you see a couple that's walked through a lot that had to travel while she was pregnant and while she was there. It came time to give birth to this baby. And that baby provides us hope that baby, his name is Jesus. And because of him, we can have a hope that comes because of the first Christmas. This Christmas may look different in your house. Unfortunately, some of you, the reality is you'll gather around a table. You'll sit in front of a tree without folks that are typically there. And that makes Christmas hard. Some of y'all have been doing that for decades and Christmas is still hard because you think about that loved one that enjoyed the tree, enjoyed the presence. My dad still tells a story about his grandfather because he loved Christmas and he loved his grandchildren as well and he loved watching the excitement that they had at Christmas and so when we sit around as a family, my dad still goes back to when he was a little boy. And he misses his Paul. That's the reality of what we face this season. But today, we can have a hope that comes with Christmas, not because of December 25th, 2023, but because of the very first one that happened 
the very first one that gave us the greatest gift of all, and that was the gift of a Savior. So there's an assurance of hope. There's a prophecy of hope in Isaiah. There's an assurance of hope that does not disappoint here in Romans chapter 5. And in my conversations as we was planning for the Christmas season, Cheryl, Cheryl told me she was disappointed in my title. She said, you should have named it A Thrill of Hope. I said, you're right, I probably should have. But we already had everything filled out. But that leads to our third point today, is there is a thrill of hope that comes with Christmas. You may say, well, Josh, why a thrill of hope? Well, if you go to the popular Christmas song written by John Sullivan Dwight, based off of a poem by a Frenchman, uh, Placide Capot. I, I listened to that a few times on, online to try and get the pronunciation right. There's a song that we sing at the Christmas season called, Oh Holy Night. And if you look at the last part of that first verse, verse 1, the very last line of that says, A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. See, the thing about hope is there's a thrill that comes with it. There is an excitement that happens when we hope for something, when we long for something. We can get excited about it. And church, what we need to do today is we need to get excited about the Christmas season, not because of the pain that it may bring, but because of the promises that it has already brought us and the thrill of hope for a future that is founded in him. Because he said, hey, I'm sending you a son. He's already done that. He sent that son 2,000 years ago, but now he's looking and saying, hey, guess what? I gave you that promise. Another promise I'm giving you is that one day that same son is going to come back and he's going to call you home. Because of the fact that that baby was born, we get to have an excitement for a future hope that is to come. There is a thrill in our hope at Christmas season. And I, I tell you what, there is a world outside there that is extremely weary. Just as some of you are this morning, a weary world can rejoice if it has hope. A weary world can, can look at the Christmas season and see the message that is brought to it, and they can find excitement because there's something more than what this world has to offer. You get a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. There's coming a new day when a new heaven and a new earth are going to be created. And Christ will be on the throne just as God will be on the throne. And we'll be made perfect. You won't have the body aches that you woke up with this morning. You won't have to worry about your diet. You don't have to worry about what it is. You, uh, if you like those Christmas tree cakes like I do, uh, you don't have to worry about those. You're not going to have to worry about the things that you've dealt with for so long. The threat of cancer will be gone. Loss will be gone. Death will be no more as we get to worship our king for all time. That's a thrill of hope. 
Because it doesn't matter how bad this world gets. If you have a relationship with Jesus, if you know more than just the story about this kid, uh, this baby that was born 2,000 years ago, if you know more than that and you've opened up your heart and said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Guess what? You get to live each and every day with a thrill of hope of what to, is to come. You don't have to worry about what this world offers because Jesus says, I've overcome the world. You're going to have troubles in the world, but don't worry. Don't lose heart. I've already overcome those troubles. There's a thrill of hope for those of us who believe in excitement for what is to come, for what has been promised. This morning, I want to ask you the question, do you have that thrill of hope? Can you find that thrill of hope? I'm not asking if your world is perfect right now because I already know it ain't. I'm not asking if everything is going exactly how you want it to, because it may or may not be. But I do want to ask you this morning, do you have a thrill of hope? Can you look back to that moment where you said, Lord, forgive me and save me. Be the Lord of my life. And I'm going to do my best to live for you. If you can look back to that moment in your life and know that that is something that you meant and something that you've tried to live. I know there's been mistakes. I know there's been heartaches since then. But is that something that you've tried to live for each and every day? Then this morning you should have a thrill of hope that is to come. But the beauty of it is, if you can't say that with certainty yet, you can say that before you leave here today. Here in just a moment, they're going to come, and we're going to have a time of invitation. We'll open up the altar like we do each and every week. This is your time to respond. This is your time to do business with God. If this morning, if you're saying, you know what, I, I don't have the thrill of hope. I don't have that thrill. I'm not asking, again, I'm not asking about your circumstances. I'm not asking if you're ready for Christmas. I'm not asking if you've got all the presents wrapped and up under the tree. I'm not even asking if you've got the menu ready for Christmas dinner or if you even know when the date is. I'm asking you, do you have a thrill of hope that comes from that first Christmas? Do you have an excitement for your future, for your eternity? I'm not asking about an excitement for, for Monday. I know those are hard. I'm not asking for that excitement for this week. I'm not asking for that excitement to finish this semester of school. I'm not asking for that excitement to, to finally get a vacation from work because you've saved all those days for the end of the year. I'm asking about an excitement that provides you an assurance of hope of what is to come. That's the real hope that comes with Christmas. The real hope that comes with Christmas is the hope of an eternal future with your Savior and Lord. So this morning, are you a part of that weary world that can rejoice because of your thrill of hope? Only you can answer that.
Let us pray together. Father, we thank you for the story of Christmas. Lord, we thank you for the the truth and the promises that come through that as we walk into this month of December. Lord, we're amazed that it's already here. But Lord, we want to be excited about what it is you're doing. Lord, we want to find that thrill once again. Lord, sometimes the world crushes our hopes and our dreams. Lord, sometimes the world suppresses those things in our hearts and in our minds. And and Lord, sometimes we've got to pause and breathe for just a moment and allow you to remind us where our hope comes from. Our hope is not outside these doors or these walls. Our hope is not in the one sitting next to us. Lord, because if it is, it's going to disappoint. Our hope has to be in you. And so, Lord, as your people are bowed before you, remind them of the hope that they have. And, Lord, if they don't have that hope, Lord, I pray that you would burden their hearts so that they would find it today. Lord, continue to meet with us as we try to listen and obey you. And we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.